guys. Thanks for tuning in to Library Overload. This is Susie. And this is Tavia. Thanks so much for listening again today. We have got a fun episode, but first, if you want to check us out online, our website is libraryoverload.home.blog. We'll list every book that we talk about there. And then our Instagram page, we post most of the books that we talk about on there as well. And that's just Library Overload. episode we are going to get in the spirit of fourth of july america and we're gonna honor the red white and blue Woo! <laughs> so we we did we like to do theme list or theme reads every now and again yeah. so um we did books about america or in the same vein yeah like historical america mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah i had a very specific theme for all of my american books you did but yeah if you want to go ahead first, though. Yeah, so the first one I am going to talk about, I'm excited because Susie recommended it to me back on our matchmaking Finally. episode. Finally! Yes. Um, it's I Think You're Wrong, but I'm listening, and there's uh, some other subtitle words that I didn't write down. <laughs> <laughs> Something about grace-filled political... Grace, how, to, how to have grace-filled conversations. Yes, yes. And that's by Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers. Okay, so I, I liked the book. I liked the premise of the book. I gave it three stars. I was really surprised at how religious it is. Really? Yes. When they're talking about grace-filled conversations, they, they're talking about his grace, not classy grace. Oh. So, I thought it meant, like, the pearls. Right. The, yeah, clutching your pearls. Yeah. I, I did, too. So I was a little shocked. I'm not put off by it. It was right. still good. Um, but every chapter ends in a scripture verse and how that's applicable mm. to the political conversation. Interesting. For me, I thought that was counterproductive. Okay. <laughs> but I'm a big proponent of separating church and state. Yeah. So, But I get where they're coming from. And they have some good discussions in there. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about, they break it down into two sections. And the first one is looking at yourself, mm-hmm. self-reflection. And then the second is looking outward. So in the first section, they're like, you have to remove your partisan jersey if you're going to have a political discussion with someone. You can't always want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to keep the winning out of it. And then you also have to keep politics in its place. Like, politics shouldn't be discussed on the church pew. Or, you know, like, you shouldn't bring it into every single thing that you're trying to do. Mm. And then they're also talking about, you know, um, looking outwards, get curious about the opinions of other people and not just, and it keeps going back to not just about being right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the how they break it down, but it's really good. And then each chapter ends with a, a verse of scripture and a discussion on how they tie that back into their mm-hmm. Christian lives and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was a good read, a bit religious for me. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea that it was going to be religious. I got it. I heard about it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's. And that's I did. I've listened to a couple of their podcast episodes and I love that. Um, okay. and I thought so it was, you listen to pantsuit yeah, politics, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, and I'm sure lots of people, especially in the South, will love mm-hmm. the way they tie this in because that's the way that their brain thinks sure. about it. But for me, it was just a bit overwrought with religious mm-hmm. texts. Like I loved "Girl, Wash Your Face." I can't stand her. <laughs> I have I much that, opinions, but she's so religious about mm-hmm. it. But some, but the underlying message she's saying is a good message if you just Mm. remove the extra out of it. Mm. So that's kind of the way I looked at this one. Interesting. All right. 
Well, I am glad that you enjoyed it. I did. I'm very glad. I thought it was a good recommendation. I, I'm very glad that you finally read it. I knew that you mistook the grace the yeah. same way I did. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to read more. <laughs> more religious stuff. Right? She thinks that I need I, I need, need Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> That's probably a true statement. Okay. My first one I'm gonna talk about is my favorite of the bunch. Oh. I love I gave a uh, ishly political book, four stars. Wow. Um, so this one was First Women, The Grace and Power of America's Modern First Ladies by Kate Anderson Brower. So that grace is talking about like legit first lady yes. being graceful. Your pearls. So, yeah. <laughs> the white gloves. And, yes. yes. So, Jackie O. Yes. When, every time you think of a graceful... First lady, it's always Jackie. I've got things to say about her. Oh, I can't wait to talk. Okay, so y'all, I learned so, so much about our presidents, about all this stuff that I just didn't care to learn or wasn't taught. I feel like the school that I went to didn't teach a whole lot of history because we were learning a whole lot about the Bible. (laughs) Maybe you should have my book. I need grace-filled conversations. (laughs) But no, I loved it so much. So, okay, I wrote down a bunch of things that I learned because if I learned them, maybe someone else will learn them too. And I was also texting Tavia throughout this. I'm like, did you know this? (laughs) She did. Okay, so uh, first of all, only two women ever have attempted to kill the president. And both of them were within three weeks of each other and they were both against Gerald Ford. What did Mr. Ford do? I don't know. I don't know enough about him whatsoever, but I was just like, that's very strange. One was a Manson follower. I think I had heard about that. Um, and then one was just a, a little bit crazy housewife that just, you know, decided she was just going to shoot him up. All right. Another thing that I learned was the Carters, who were originally from Georgia, mm-hmm. Spoke Spanish to each other if they needed a private conversation. That's really awesome. I would have thought, though, if they were Texans, they would have done that. And so I'm I'm like, how do you know Spanish? <laughs> well, maybe people just went to school and they learned things. Okay, well, I went to school and literally all I can say in Spanish is, where's the bathroom? <laughs> that funny. is all. <laughs> well, at least you'll never be stranded having to go to the bathroom Truth. in Spain. But if they try to tell me where the bathroom is in Spanish, it will do me no good. <laughs> so I need to say, can you point me to where the bathroom is in Spanish? If I could learn that, That's that would help me out. I took a lot of Spanish. I don't remember a lot of Spanish, but I remember enough, I feel like, to be conversational. Mm-hmm. I, I took one year of Spanish, but then I was like, I already know a second language, so I don't need to know a third. This is true. I get that, but you do yeah. know a second language. So I, I do. That's pretty cool. I do. But if I was trilingual, I'd be making some hella money. <laughs> but it's fine. Like, that's it's funny. whatever. It's so much more work. <laughs> My brain does barely works now. Like, if I had to work in three languages mm-hmm. simultaneously, I would, I, I would just... I took lots of French and lots of Spanish, and they get... My wife get crossed all the time. I'm sure. All the time. Okay. So next, uh, Gerald Ford. I have a bunch of information about the the Fords. I don't know why I was I was very centered on the Fords in this book. But so Gerald Ford Gerald Ford was the first president to actually reference his wife in his inaugural address. First president to do that. Thanks, guys. 
Interesting. Uh, so he said, I'm indebted to no man and only to one woman. Oh. I know. Isn't that sweet? That's so awesome. <laughs> Um, Maybe it's because all the other presidents were having relationships. Probably. (laughs) There's no telling. And then Michelle Obama was the first first lady to actually question, why do I have to do this? Like, why do I have to sit here and choose place settings when I could be doing more important things? Or it would be like, okay, Mrs. Obama, you need to be president this party or this event. She'd be like, but why? Does it help anything? Does it Mm -hmm. do anything? And she did kind of talk about that in her book becoming as well Mm -hmm. so i thought that was she was literally the first first lady to actually question why why do i need to do this is this going to benefit anything in some way so that was really interesting and then finally uh betty ford was absolutely terrified of public speaking however when her husband came down with laryngitis and lost to jimmy carter in 76 She's the one that read his concession speech to the nation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I thought that was really, really cool. But yeah, I, I learned... You did get a little obsessed with the Fords, though. No, I don't you? know why. There were so many other things that I, I learned and loved, but those were the only <laughs> things that I remember to write down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really, really liked it. The only issue I had with the book was the structure. So it would be like one chapter, and it would just kind of be like... so. This first lady did this. This first lady did this. This first lady. And then next chapter. So this first lady. And it would just, it kind of jumped you around. You kind of wanted it to be a little, I wanted chrono- a little bit chronological. Yeah, yeah because I, I couldn't tell you who came first. Other than like the Clintons the and egg, the Bushes. I think. <laughs> um, other than like, okay, so I, re- I was alive and coherent enough to know when the Clintons and then the second Bush and then the Obamas, obviously. But I, before then, the chronological order, I don't know. I do know that the Johnsons were after the Kennedys because Lady Bird was around uh, for a lot of Jackie's few days left, um, few days after um, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Um, all Linda of that. Johnson was the vice president at the time, so he yeah. took over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there was a lot of information about Nixon and how um, Pat Nixon was just completely in denial about the entire Watergate situation until literally the day that Nixon announced that he was he was going to be residing. She was just like, but why? Why would you resign? You've done nothing wrong. Like to the wow. day he resigned, she was completely just crazy. A, crazy. Wow. Also, the Reagans have horrible, well, I guess had horrible relationships with their children because they only wanted and needed each other. Mm. Uh, Nancy and Ronald Reagan. Interesting. They, their relationship was so important to them. You know, that was his second wife as well. Yes. I And he was also one of the, I think he was the first president to be a divorcee. Mm-hmm. And he had been married to Jane Wyman. Oh, I didn't was know. Was an actress. I didn't know who his first one was. Um, but no, their relationship with their children was awful because they put, made each other their number one priority. I guess so much so that their children That's were completely left out. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I love the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is the theme of my my books. Well, this that, episode I mean, is that behind the scenes. That I sense. love that kind of crap. Yeah. Like the gossipy. Well, I mean, this I mean, this author was a legitimate journalist. Mm-hmm. She did so much work in, mm-hmm. like, cataloging all of this information and stuff. 
but no, I I really really liked it. That's awesome. It's so good. That's awesome. Well, my next one, I'm going to go back in time. This is 1776 by David McCullough, and it's been on my re- reading to read list for a million and seven years. Oh my gosh, just hearing that makes me want to go to sleep. <laughs> I have a degree in history and emphasis in colonial America, so I find it ridiculously interesting. <sighs> I used to sleep through history class, and one time I woke up <clears throat> and started talking to my neighbor, and my, my teacher literally yelled at me and told me to go back to sleep. So that's my history. I feel like that's an indictment on your history class and not necessarily No, it's history, true. He was a terrible teacher. Anyway, 1776, as anyone can imagine, is a very thorough account of the year that America declared independence. Hmm. So it's told from both points of view it's told from the british point of view and it's told from the american point of view and it basically walks you through all of the series of events all of the battles all of the announcements in parliament every decision congress made and about how all these small little tidbits and movements add up to the whole course of the revolution like there's There was a storm in New York on the eve of a battle that, had it not happened, could have turned the tide of the war. Like, Mm. just little things like that. And I thought it was really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, Now, it's a big book. It is a big book. 400 plus pages. But it's it was really, really interesting. And I will say it's not going to be for everybody because it is a history book. Yeah. Um, It's not a, you know, fast read, like a quick read that mm-hmm. you're loving or whatever but it is a very very thorough account and since i love that sort of stuff i loved it hmm. um, i thought it was really really interesting and then george washington's quoted as saying the harder the conflict the greater the triumph hmm. and i thought that was really cool that was really cool was there any did you learn anything i did i learned a lot of stuff yeah um i didn't realize the battle for new york was quite as as bad as it was i didn't realize like the British Armada sent over like 400 ships Jesus, and they were in the harbor of New York and the Americans were like, uh, the hell are we going to do here? Like, And then they would start going up the Hudson or they would go up yeah. the East River and the Americans couldn't get the sure. cannons to hit them. And it was kind of crazy. Huh. And so the very, the first part of the war was not good for the Americans. Wow. Um, it wasn't until Trenton, when Washington crosses the Delaware, that, uh, that's that the picture, infamous, yeah. yeah. And he he did that on Christmas Day, at night, and mm-hmm. snuck up on the British. And it wasn't until he did that the war kind of started turning mm-hmm. around a little bit. And it was still six more years of fighting after they did that. But and like, it's not like the fighting that we do today. It's no. like the lining up and the mm-hmm. shooting and the reloading and all that. That's such a long and the time. reason that and this blows my mind to, to this day to think about but the reason he was able to like sneak up on them is the british was like yeah we're done fighting for the winter because they didn't fight in the winter they would just like stop the war and it would be like okay time out we're taking a break and they would just so like some of the british soldiers the the chiefs had started sailing back to england and george washington's like yeah no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go in there and do my thing and that's, so he surprised them, and he was like, yeah, we're not taking a time out on this one. That's funny. No, I had no idea. Yeah, so. I guess because, you know, it's cold. You don't want to be stuck out there. Right, and it was Christmas, and so they were like, we're going to we're gonna head home and like, Okay, so we'll see you in the spring. Right, and George Washington's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, they're like, there's no honor in that, sir. And he's like, so Welcome to America. <laughs> right. We're out here starving and freezing, and we're I'm going to get this over with. Like That's so funny. So George Washington... He's quoted a lot as saying he did not think that he, 
lived up to the responsibility that was heaped on him. He said that well, several he times. He did not want the presidency. Yeah. Like, he was... He said, my my colleagues think better of me than I think of myself. Mm. I don't think I'm prepared for this at all. And all of his letters, he kept would mm. kept, keep saying that. That's a damn good leader. It really is. Mm. But I thought it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. That's good. I gave it three stars. Really? Mm-hmm. I would have expected more, more stars for that book. It was, I mean, it was a good book. It wasn't something I'll ever read again. Mm. True, um, true, true. But it was good. I, and I had David McCullough had been on my list for a long, long, long time. He's another one of those that does like huge deep dives mm-hmm. into one very specific mm-hmm. thing and writes a book. Because um, he also has Pioneers that just came mm-hmm. out. Um, he has the John Adams book that I actually checked out, but it was it's huge. It was even bigger than 1776, and yeah. I was like, no, I don't think I can get through this. But and I didn't realize this: the John Adams documentary on um, HBO that Paul Giamatti's in. Oh, it's like a docudrama. Interesting. Uh, it was based on that book. I didn't realize that, but it was completely based on David McCullough's book. Well, then you could just take Chris's advice: watch the docu thing, docudrama. and then say that you read the book. Well, I mean... That's if, how Chris lives his life. If I want to be a fraud in the <laughs> literary community, I guess I could go that way. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it You make it sound interesting, even though in my head I'm like... Mm, I sleep already? No. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, my next uh, behind-the-scenes look is... I don't know what it is with these, like... So the... The title itself is long, but then there's a tagline that's like stupid long. So mm-hmm. ready for this? It's in the president's secret service, behind the scenes with agents in the line of fire and the presidents they protect. Wow. That is so many words. That is very extensive. My next one is, is an is extensive like that too? one as well. Okay. So that one's by Ronald Kessler. Um, he apparently is also prolific and he did, he did the president's secret service and then he did something else about presidents themselves and all of that. So he, he does stuff like this too. Um, again, I learned a lot from this book. I learned, I thought there were only two presidents that were assassinated, but there were, I think four, I think. Now I can't remember. I didn't write it down. You're shaking your head. I mean, there were only two that, that were assassinated and died, but there were more attempts than that. No. There were more that were killed when, like, old, like, like old school presidents, not, like, modern day presidents. Well, like, I mean, I know Zachary Tyler died in office, and... Was there one that started with the G? Grover Cleveland did not die no. in office. Damn it. I'm going to have to look it up. I swear to God, though, there were more than two assassinated and uh, and killed. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that grace-filled conversation. You're very welcome. I learned how to do I that. I am studied. going to look that shit up, and I will put it in the show notes. Okay. That sounds like a plan. I Okay. So, like, first five pages, I'm already like, oh, my God. I'm learning so much from this book. <laughs> so, Abe Lincoln is the first president to actually have bodyguards and it was just four off-duty policemen that kind of rotated Mm -hmm. out when he went to the theater that night his bodyguard instead of standing outside of his box wandered over to the bar and that is why Abe Lincoln died was he in on it or did he just want a drink it didn't say Uh, it just said that he he left and went to the bar um that's a really terrible bodyguard no I hope he feels awesome <laughs> i mean i he probably feels dead because that oh my was god i hope he felt awesome then <laughs> god so that was really interesting 
Another thing that I learned and thought was actually hysterical was uh, George H.W. Bush was traveling somewhere, and I didn't write down where. But the Secret Service, whenever a president travels, they always go several days, sometimes a week or two in advance, just go about the areas. They fly the president's limousine out to where they will be. So he has that 18-inch plating on the car and everything to protect him. They scope out where they're going to keep that. They scope out where uh, Air Force One will be landing, everywhere the president will be staying, dining, everything. Wow. So they get there and police call and say, hey, we have a psychic that regularly helps out the police department. She has helped us find dead bodies. She has helped us find killers, all that. She's legit. And she's telling us that the president is going to be shot. And so they're like, all right, we'll talk to her. So they go and they talk to her. And ask her questions that no one would know about, like, what the pre- where the president would be sitting, um, where the president's car is currently, because no one knows that they fly it out beforehand. And she literally drives the Secret Service agents to where the limo is sitting right now. Wow. And so they're like, okay, okay, okay. She's She's got something. All right. Um, and so they're like, okay, but has someone told you this? Has someone working at the airline kind of communicated this? Um, she even tells them, so she tells them the president is going to be sitting directly behind the driver. He's going to be wearing a button-up collared shirt, no tie, sports coat on. And they're like, well, that's weird because whenever the president travels, he always is in a suit tie he never sits behind the driver but they're like you know what fine well and she's she says that he'll be shot while driving under an overpass so they're like okay we'll take another route well come to the day that she said he would be shot he comes off of air force one button up collared shirt no tie never done never did that before And then he had been traveling with friends, and so his friends got into the car first and slid over into his normal seat, and he sits behind the driver. And they're like, okay, we need a new route. Take the secondary route. Oh, wow. And no one was shot that day. That's really cool. I know. Like, that, it gave me goosebumps because like I was just like, or like, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but no, I thought that was really cool. Like, yeah. just their, just the work that goes into even like well before the president mm-hmm. leaves the oval office like just the work that they put into That's all really of that awesome. is really interesting um i talked about who was really really nice so bill clinton was super super nice to all of his secret agents mm-hmm. probably because they kept all of his secrets um but a- apparently according to this author and the serv- the uh the agents that he interviewed hillary was very rude to them hmm. Um, Probably because her husband was sleeping with everyone. Probs. Um, Who else? They said that Pat Nixon, who I talked about previously, was a little bit nuts. Um, Betty Ford obviously was always drunk um, because she it was Mm -hmm. pills and alcohol for her. Um, So she was always drunk, constantly slurring. And they would even tell visitors they'd be like, not today. She's not well Mm -hmm. Um, like they would cover for her. And then biggest thing that came out of reading this, though, was their hours their pay their work environment is terrible so um 
agents. So not only do Secret Service protect the president, but they're also they were under the um, Department of the U.S. Treasury. They are no longer. They are under Homeland Security, oh, yeah. but they originally were under the Department of U.S. Treasury. Um, they deal with a lot of fraud even to this day because technically that is Homeland Security now. Um, they even said, and this was terrifying. They said, uh, "Rest assured that your." Uh, credit information has already been tampered with. They just mm-hmm. haven't gotten to you yet. And I was just like, no. <laughs> I can <laughs> <No>. see that. <laughs> um, Someone wants to take my credit, they're more than welcome. I know. They're not going to get anything with mine, so it's <laughs> fine. Um, and uh, and then, so, they have, um, you know, they're stationed all over the country. And so, when someone, when an agent was married and they're, their spouse couldn't leave or they their spouse was being relocated. There, there are agencies everywhere, so can I please be transferred to here? I need yeah. to be with my spouse. And No, sorry. I didn't realize that they were everywhere like that. They are not. They're never named. Even the, um, like the home base in Washington, D.C., you walk up to that building, it says nowhere huh. that it is the Secret Service. That's really cool, though. Yeah. It's like the men in black. I know. <laughs> they are the men in black. Um, uh, but no, and the, uh, they would be paid from nine to five, even if they were working well past, because there weren't enough of them because they started leaving because you're not paying me enough. You're not letting me live with my spouse. Wow. Um, they would just be stuck with, well, guess you're watching the president for 18 to 20 hours today instead of the normal shift. Wow. And so it was just really sucky for them to try and keep up with those hours. Can you imagine having to protect the, the America's most important person running off of a few hours of sleep and you have to find someone that might possibly try to hurt them? Like That's it's crazy. Yeah. The, the pressure that they're under and all of that is unreal. Um, apparently the secret service, because they are obviously not allowed to talk about the president or whatever, they're huge gossipers and they would keep up with, <laughs> they would keep up with, um, so, uh, so-and-so just got caught in the movie theater room in the White House. Who was it this time? Like, they huh. would they would constantly know what uh-huh. was going on with the first family just because, you know, what if? Apparently, they had a, a call name for Monica Lewinsky because mm-hmm. she was there so often. Um, apparently, uh, Lady Bird Johnson apparently caught her husband um, with another woman in the Oval Office, and it wasn't ever talked about in the press, but they talked about how she just kind of swept it under the rug, like didn't really talk about. They talked about how um, JFK was able to have so many affairs were because there are secret tunnels. Mm -hmm. There's also in the U.S. Treasury Department, there's a a room there for the – I don't know what they call it, but like the higher up of the U.S. Treasury, mm-hmm. um, there's a, a a small apartment there just in case you get tired. You've been working all day. Like they just yeah. stay there sometimes. And JFK would go over there, and mm-hmm. that's how they snuck in Maryland and all of that. Like it was that's just really it was awesome. really interesting to read. I like all that stuff. That does sound awesome. Mm-hmm. That kind of relates to my next book that I'm going to talk about. Ooh. Yes, it's called One Nation Under Sex. How the private lives of presidents, first ladies, and their lovers changed the course of history. So I bought that book for Tavia's husband a few years ago in, in an effort to make him read. Mm-hmm. And has he read it? No, but he did ask you for that book, but he hasn't read it yet. <laughs> 
But I've read it, and it's really good. I'm intrigued by that. I learned so. a lot about stuff in this book as Tell well. Tell me. Yes. Um, now, I have to just say this, because this book is by Larry Flint okay. and David Eisenbach. And Larry Flint, we all know, is the, the creator of Hustler Magazine. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Gross, we all knew I gave him my money. <laughs> no, but he's really intriguing. Okay. Um, he has David Eisenbach on here. as He's a Columbia University professor and historian. Wow. So he wrote the book with him. Okay. Um, and I, I imagine that David, I mean, Larry Flint just kind of helped finance a bit of it and, you know, added some anecdotes mm. here and there or whatever. But there's 20 pages of footnotes. So this is a thoroughly wow. researched and thoroughly mm-hmm. documented book. Okay. Um, so it's not just some All right, flimsy, I see you, Flint. Right. It's not some flimsy made-up thing. And Larry Flint has fought several, several First Amendment legal battles. Wow. Which I think is really, really cool. Mm. Um, because of Hustler Magazine, he's sure. had to fight. And he's quoted as saying that's like the most exhausting thing in his career, in his life that he's ever done is have to deal with constant legal battles and stuff like that. Oh, I'm sure. But he is a very big proponent of the First Amendment, and I can respect that about him. And even if some of the quotes that are in this book are taken out of context or whatever, it's still a ridiculously thoroughly researched Mm. book. And I learned a lot, and I thought it was really interesting. So, like, the one of the first things they talk about right off the bat is Ben Franklin. Hmm. And he was known as a really big ladies' man. And that's why he was sent as the ambassador to France, because the French were very free spirit and promiscuous. Sure. And he was sent over there in the 1750s to romance the French into supporting the American Revolution. That's funny. Like he literally there's documents on it and letters and correspondence. And that's why they sent him, because he was there to seduce the women. So he was the nation's slut. Basically. That's funny. Yeah. And then it talks about Dolly Madison, who was the technically the first first lady. Okay. And she was very promiscuous. Really? Um, she apparently had slept with a lot of the people in the cabinet and everything else before she married James Madison. And That's funny. They said that she could throw a hella good party uh, uh, because uh, she was very free-spirited. She was sure. the owner of – or the, the daughter of, like, an inn, mm-hmm. uh, a restaurant owner. Mm-hmm. And so she was, like, very flamboyant and – flirtatious and basically had slept with everybody that's funny because um, i mean when was he president that was like the early a, 1800s early okay that was not a time that you should be promiscuous right at all um, especially a lady yes and this also talks about the first sex scandals with alexander hamilton oh. and stuff that you didn't even know about that's so cool but also one of the things that i found really intriguing is the notion that the civil war came about or was led into being obviously it was it was a long time brewing but james buchanan is he's noted as being the worst president that we've ever had because he in the 1850s ish paved the way for the secession of you know the southern states he Mm -hmm. paved the way for all of the really really terrible anti-abolitionist laws that Mm -hmm. happened he basically set the stage for what was to happen wow and he was from pennsylvania and his family were abolitionists so here is the interesting thing about him he had a gay lover who was a uh, southern senator and he let his gay lover talk him into passing all this anti-abolitionist legislature he let him talk him into doing all of that stuff so he 
had a gay lover that set the stage for the American Civil War. That's crazy. Isn't that awesome? I would love to know, like, how how all of this was found out. Letters. Like, like the, the 20 pages of footnotes. Diaries, crazy. private letters, things like that. So cool. Isn't it crazy to think that, like I said, even if it's taken out of context, uh-huh. that that is even a plausible situation? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just crazy. That's crazy. But we get really, really good when we start getting into uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Okay. Have you ever seen that movie or watched anything about him? No. So he's the founder of the FBI. Did know that. Basically, he was a jackass. Cool. <laughs> he illegally wiretapped and had secret dossiers on basically every politician ever. Gross. He would have their uh, have them followed, have wires put in their hotel rooms so mm-hmm. he could compile uh, sex files on them and their private lives to blackmail them. Hmm. Which is really really crazy. That is crazy. Um, and he did that with he was the head of the FBI for 4 decades, 4 or 5 decades. And Holy he did it the whole time. And that leads into... How did he not get in trouble? Like, how was he not... He was the head of the FBI. Ugh, But a lot of the stuff wasn't illegal yet. So so nobody knew he was doing it. It wasn't until after he passed that they found out what he was doing that they started passing a lot of this stuff. Sure. The the legislation for it. But nobody knew what he was doing. That's nuts. Yes. And he would blackmail if there was some sort of legislation that came up about the FBI. He would basically show the file that mm-hmm. he had on whoever was doing it and said, yeah, you're going to shut this down now or I'm going to let make this public. And he was doing it on taxpayer money, which is really cool. Um, and then JFK and Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. it talks about both of their lives, but how the press coverage had changed mm-hmm. between JFK and Bill Clinton. So Cl- JFK is quoted I think this is hilarious. He's quoted saying, I get a migraine headache if I don't have a strange piece of ass every day. Woo! Yeah. Sounds great. Yes. So he was very promiscuous. He Mm -hmm. slept with a different person almost every single day. And Jackie, there's a quote that she's found um, underwear under his pillow. And she's like, these aren't my size. Can you figure out who they belong to? Like she knew yeah. all about it. In in the first women book that I read, mm-hmm. she was giving a French journalist a um, a tour through the White House, and she was um, very privileged. Mm-hmm. Um, went to uh, very fancy fancy boarding schools, fluent in French. And when she got to the White, uh, when she got to the Oval Office, she um, saw one of the girls that JFK was sleeping with sitting outside of his office, apparently waiting for her round, mm-hmm. and turned to the journalist and said in French, this is one of the girls that is sleeping with my husband and just kept leading, mm-hmm. leading the, the tour. Yeah. Like just, and this book d- does go into how she had affairs of her own. She really? She had lots of different affairs. And like she ended up marrying Aristotle mm-hmm. Onassis, but mm-hmm. she was sleeping with him before JFK ever died. That's so crazy. Yeah. Why get married? Well, because of political power. In the yeah. 60s, divorce wasn't a thing. And he was significantly older than she was, too. He was he was at least 13 years older than her. That makes sense. I think, I think that's right. Um, and it talked about him when he was in the Navy and he was stationed. Because his dad was really rich and really powerful mm-hmm. politician as well. Mm-hmm. And he was stationed close. And he was actually sleeping with someone who could have been considered a German spy. So it was, it was a public Jesus. Uh, international relations thing. So they had to have him transferred so <laughs> he didn't get in trouble. 
but then going back to Jackie, her dad had cheated on her mom, and she's like, it's just a thing that it was normal. Apparently, but you get married for political power, right. for family status, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's so crazy. This book suggests that if JFK hadn't been assassinated, it would have been the first presidential divorce because it was bubbling mm. and brewing. Interesting. All of the different things because. Mm-hmm. She was sleeping with with Aristotle Onassis, and he was getting mad, but he was still sleeping with everybody else. But, yeah, so it was just like this big cesspot of craziness (laughs) that was brewing. But the really interesting thing is is how basically in the 50s and 60s, journalists considered discussing the sex lives of the presidents. Yeah, they swept it under the rug. They considered it unethical. Yeah to journalistic integrity to write about it and now <laughs> but jfk's assassination happened and then between watergate and vietnam the press and the american public had lost faith in the presidency mm-hmm. so by the time bill clinton comes around and he's so much like jfk mm-hmm. and had so many affairs that the press super was charismatic right yeah. the press was into the gotcha journalism and that's yeah. why he ended up having everything outed mm-hmm. whereas had he been the president 30 years earlier that wouldn't have happened hmm. and i thought that was really really interesting that is interesting yeah There's yeah there was a little bit of that talked about in first women mm-hmm. how um jfk yeah the journalist everyone knew like mm-hmm. it was not a secret at all right. but they just didn't print it because mm-hmm. you didn't talk about that mm-hmm. you talked about the politics right yeah they, they felt like it was against their journalistic integrity mm-hmm. to discuss that like it was beneath them mm-hmm. it made them less of a yeah like tabloid journalism was a a, right. a low wrong thing to do and it wasn't classy or whatever mm. but i thought the one of the f- early quotes in this book that i quoted that i thought was just really cool is the focus of our narrative may be the private lives of political leaders but in telling that story we also present a sweeping portrait of evolving sexual morality and gender roles mm. And, I mean, it's totally spot on mm-hmm. about how all of this stuff happened and how it it really did affect the political climate mm-hmm. and the course of American history. Yeah. Which is really interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. But I learned a ton of stuff. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I might have to borrow that. It was really, really good. Hmm. I was surprised at yeah. how much I liked it. Yeah. That sounds cool. I give it three were you Were well. you telling Daniel, like, all this stuff, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, I kept telling Chris, like, did you know mm-hmm. that this? And he'd be like, yeah, no, all and right. We talked about the J. Edgar Hoover thing quite a lot because he also is the um, communist scare, that like the Red Scare in the 60s and stuff. He was in on that where they were hunting people who were homosexuals and saying that if you're sus- weak enough to be susceptible to homosexuality, you're weak enough to be susceptible to communism. That's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So you shouldn't be in the government. Um, so they like Jesus. went on this big witch hunt and Hoover would supply the politicians that were on his side with all of the dirty information. Oh. But while he himself was also a homosexual and he would like hunt down people who dared to speak about and print like the extent of his, I guess, reach and his wiretapping it said that there was two ladies in a hair salon and one said i heard that j edgar hoover was gay and three days later fbi agents were at her house advising her strongly against ever saying anything of the such again oh my God. like just a random hair so salon terrifying and, yeah. like how he how he even had like the technology to do that back then yeah, I mean, is he, unreal. He built up that kind of power. He he built the FBI. That's so. But crazy. he also made it his own personal police. Sure, force. that's 
crazy. And that's, he swept JFK and Bobby Kennedy's affairs under the rug because they passed policy that worked for him. Wow. So they like had a mutual arrangement. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. All right. My final book that I will be transparent and say that I have not finished yet <laughs> is Upstairs at the White House, My Life with the First Ladies. And this is written by an actual usher. Oh. That worked at the White House for 28 years. Oh, that's cool. Um, he started, you know, way lower rung and worked his way up to the chief usher of the White House. Um, I think he worked under four or five different presidencies. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, super, super interesting. Not a big book at all. It's very tiny. So I'm if I just dedicated some time to it, mm-hmm. I would finish it in mm-hmm. a couple of hours. And I just... I don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. But no, like super interesting stuff. It's probably going to kind of overlap with First Women a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's still like apparently I am loving that kind of stuff. So I'm not mad about overlaps. But yeah, I'm. I've loved, loved my picks. Me too. So. I, this was a great theme. I just learned so much that I didn't know and I thought yeah. it was completely fascinating. Yeah. I would love to, when it is time, um, to do the same thing, but with uh, British, uh, with English uh, royalty mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, give me some of that. Like, yeah. that sounds so good. We should make that happen. Yes. Well, God bless America. <laughs> America. <laughs> Happy 4th of July and all that. Yay, red, white, and blue. Yay. Please don't shoot firecrackers at each other. Don't make bad decisions. Make good choices. Don't fireworks and drink. (laughs) Do people do that? Yeah. I live with one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't fireworks and drink. We want you to all be safe to keep your eyeballs for reading more. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.